I went disc golfing this weekend for the first time back in the Bay Area. The benefit of going in Minnesota is that for the most part, it's lots of, you know, there's trees and stuff, but it's lots of nice, straight, uh, or just kind of nicely well-maintained parks, you know, with little walking paths throughout. It's lots of nice green grass, so it's not too too much trouble in the places that I've gone in Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the place that I went to this weekend was a disc golf course that was sort of built into a nature preserve with no, uh, like, the the tee pads are all super nice. The signage is really good, but mm-hmm. the actual course as a course is not maintained beyond that. Ah. So when you consider golfing, disc golf is no the same way. There's often, there's often fairways and greens and everything yeah. else is rough. It's all rough. It's all rough. <laughs> there's there's kind of a green in the sense that typically around the basket, uh, you know, within about 30, 40 feet of the basket, it's pretty mowed down or whatever. They're well placed. And there are a couple holes where it's mostly greenery. Uh, there's not much of anything else. But the majority of the course is in thick prairie grass. Oh, jeez. And also with crazy elevation change. When I was done with this course, my watch said that I'd walked up 56 flights of stairs. Oh, wowza. So uh, it's it's just You're a lot. You're a fit boy. Lots of hills, which means that every time you throw it, you, it's hard to gauge where it went because it may have like rolled down a hill or just kind of when it glides parallel to a hill for a little bit, it's hard to gauge where exactly on the hill it actually ended up. Uh, it was very difficult to actually figure out what was going on. So I ended up losing three discs. Uh, it didn't help that... Well, okay. Let, let's go through the three discs that I lost. The first one I lost, another group actually found. There was a... I went pretty early because I didn't want to... You know, I, I figured that it was probably pretty busy or it would get busy during the day. It was a beautiful... It was shaping up to be a beautiful day. So mm-hmm. I got to this park by 8 a.m. I left at 7 a.m. It's about a 50-minute drive, and I got there around 8 and when I showed up, it took me a while to figure out what the course even was because it's kind of hidden away in the park. Uh, you actually have to go walk by the entrance to a mountain bike park, and back hmm. behind there is where the disc golf course starts. Mm-hmm. And luckily, there was a group of four guys around our age who showed up at the same time. So I just kind of tagged behind them, and they played ahead of me for a few holes. But then eventually, I caught up to them, and they were actually trying to find a disc, and... Uh, I needed to, and they just let me play through, you know, and mm-hmm. for a couple holes, I just, you know, they pointed out where the next hole was because it is a little confusing. Not every hole made it clear where where the um, where the pin might be, also where the next hole might be from the pin, mm-hmm. uh, because for every hole, there were multiple possible locations for the basket, mm. and, and that way they can change it up a little bit to can make the course kind of fresh. But there was mm-hmm. no clear indicator which one was actively in use. Mm-hmm. In a lot of these holes, you couldn't see the basket from the tee pad unless you knew where to look. And even then, sometimes you couldn't see it at all. Yeah. Right. So so they pointed it out to me. Uh, the first disc I lost, I just threw it kind of wrong. It was a really wide open hole. It was like a thousand foot long hole, which I was excited for. Because like, ooh, that's cool. I've never played a hole that's this far. And so I was really excited. And I just kind of threw it wrong. It curved off to the right into these woods. I went to, I, I ran over to try and find it. 
and then noticed that off to the right on those woods is an actual golf course. And mm. I didn't want to go traipsing through there to try and figure out where my disc went. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of gave it a cursory look where I thought it was. Um, no one on the golf course had seen it. So I was like, well, that sucks. There goes a disc. Uh, it turns out the group behind me that was ahead of me before, but ended up being behind me, found the disc. And they were actually, the our, a hole that I was on just started intersecting with a hole that they were on. And I was walking out of the woods as they had found my disc and thrown it as like an additional extra shot. And I see it rolling towards me. And I was like, that does look my, like my pink disc. And I check it out. And sure enough, there's my name written on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I could be like, hey, thanks for finding my disc, guys. Uh, so that was nice. I got that one back. Until I lost it again later. Uh, but second disc that I lost in order. So I guess you could say I lost four discs. Or I lost a disc four times, recovered one once. Uh, mm. The second disc I lost was a yellow disc that I threw. And I thought I saw approximately where it landed on this hole. Uh, I didn't throw it super well. But it happened to land in a bunch of yellow brownish prairie grass. And I spent 10, 15 minutes. It, there weren't, like, it couldn't really be in more than just this one general area. And I just couldn't find it for the life of me. There's, like, mm-hmm. thick, thick grass. There were tree branches falling down, some thistle. Like, it was hard to navigate where it could have been. And I just mm-hmm. never found it. The next time I had my pink disc that I had lost and then had been recovered again. And this was where the T-signs bit me. The T sign said there were two pin locations straight ahead of me and one pin location fading off to the left. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea where, where it was. It wasn't clear. And so I said, so I thought to myself, well, let's try throwing it straight ahead. So I threw it straight ahead. I thought I had a pretty good throw. I kind of picked where, you know, I kind of saw where it crested over a hill and then disappeared from sight beneath a hill because that's how the hole was set up. Mm-hmm. So I go walking straight to where approximately where I thought it was. Then I noticed, oh, well, nope, the pin is actually the one to the left, so I threw it in the totally wrong direction anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And so I go looking for my disc, and again, couldn't find it at all. Like, I I threw it actually super well. Like, I was like, I threw this super straight. I know how this disc goes. It it was this general region that it could be in that there were, like, a few trees, but it was was actually a, a relatively open green part of the course, I have mm-hmm. no clue at all where it could have been. I spent easily 15 minutes looking around there, every random spot that I could have thought it could have gone, uh, mm-hmm. and I never found it. Hmm. And then the final disc I lost on the 17th hole. It, the T was probably, it, probably 100 to 150 feet above where the actual pin location was so it was a super downhill shot uh and pretty far so i take out this other disc that i had and i throw it and once again it starts fading off to the right into some rough across a path and and i and i picked it like i saw where approximately where it landed next to some big bush and i was like cool i'm gonna keep my eye straight on it because that's always my issue whenever i've gotten close to losing discs mm-hmm. I, like i've always recovered discs eventually but it, it's always like 50 feet away from where i was looking and i eventually mm-hmm. just look somewhere else and I'm like oh how did it end up here so i was like no i'm gonna just stare straight at this even even as i'm walking downhill and i do so 
And then I get to the rough, which from up high looked like every other rough, which was, you know, probably like mid-calf high. You know, annoying to walk through, but you'd mm-hmm. find stuff if you got close enough. This was at least waist high the entire time. With thistle everywhere, like no path through this. This was not where you were supposed to go. It's not where your disc was supposed to go at all. And so I go through it, and I get maybe five feet in, and I notice the bush that I've that I have been keeping my eye on is like another twenty feet into this tall grass. And who knows what sort of wildlife or whatever might be lurking through here. There's poison oak all throughout this park as well. Uh, so it's like. I you should am... have started all these stories with that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there's poison oak. It's pretty well marked. Uh, every time, like, there were, you know, it was all typically, like, around trees or whatever, and any tree that had poison oak near it was marked with a little flag thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew to be careful. But in either case, yes, I, I had that in the back of my head. I had in the back of my head that I had seen deer and turkeys and a skunk throughout my time on this disc golf course. Because it's just a big nature preserve with disc golf with, with disc golf baskets on it, uh, and so I get about five feet in, and I'm like, "This disc isn't worth it." I didn't like it that much, <laughs> so I just I let that one go. Uh, I'm I'm not bent out of shape of that one, but the other two, I'm very frustrated that I lost. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my experience at Stafford Lake Disc Golf Course. Very pretty course. I'll go back. But I'll be much more careful the next time. Yeah. So tape a tile to the middle of your disc next time, or <laughs> an air tag. Well, I mean, the bigger issue is more that I, I came close to losing discs lots of times on this course naturally, because again, every throw is going into thick grass. Like there is no fairway. Mm-hmm. There's 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 kind of a walking path that goes. Like you can always walk on a path from the tee pad to the basket. Like there is a path. But that's typically not the path you want to throw on. So you're Mm -hmm. not typically going to get it on that path. And so every single throw of mine went into some sort of what you could consider rough and you have to go hunt it down. And uh, most of the time that I came close to losing a disc but would eventually find it is because I just made some dumb throw. Like I, I, I was trying to be too clever in what I was doing, made a bad throw. And then also didn't immediately start chasing after it once it was out of my hand, which is also mm-hmm. what I should do. It's like, don't sit there and watch it. And if you're going to watch it, watch it while also walking aggressively forward towards it. <laughs> <laughs> so what I really need is for Aaron or someone to come with me and kind of be a spotter for me. But I'm not sure how keen Aaron would be on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was my big event this weekend. Neat. Yeah. Would there be a reason why it would not be possible for them to make discs with, like, a little hole in the middle you could put an air tag in? I feel like the issue there would be weight. Like, it would need to be a very, very light chip. Because, you know, we're we're talking, like, discs are measured Mm -hmm. in grams for their mass. Okay. And a difference of, like, 5 to 10 grams is considered a pretty big difference in the performance. Or not even performance, but like the feel of it. Uh huh. So that would be one potential thing. Um, I don't know. I also it would make it way more expensive. <laughs> People don't want that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, eleven grams. Yeah. 
But I don't know. I feel like people are just like people treat, you know, in a sense, discs are kind of like your clubs in that you use them in different shots, but they're also more like your golf balls. You Mm -hmm. know, like people lose golf balls all the time. It's a part of playing golf. Discs, it's a little more annoying. Like they are more expensive, but they're not so much more expensive that it's worth really agonizing over a lost disc. You want to avoid it. But people Mm -hmm. know that it'll happen. There are courses with water hazards and you'll lose your discs. Like, it happens. Losing them in the woods, it's more annoying because they aren't, like, lost to nature. They're there for the taking if you can find them. I threw one into the tree on the very first hole and climbed the tree and got it. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) But if I can see it, I want to go get it. But when you lose it just in the woods, it's more frustrating. But Mm -hmm. they are more like balls, which is is why in a... professional disc golf tournaments there is no limit on the number of discs you're allowed to have with you Uh uh-huh i get the analogy they're more like balls i just don't i don't know to me i feel like isn't there a fundamental difference between like the typically the people who play disc golf versus the people who golf based on financial requirements to play the game well, yeah, but just like anything, if you can, you know, you can play golf for relatively cheap if you really cared about it. You wouldn't fit into the norm compared to disc golf. Uh, mm-hmm. I told Erin that I lost these discs, and she's like, oh, so I was like, what, a $45 day for you? I was like, well, I'm not going to replace all of them. I did buy a replacement for the one that I was most bummed about losing because it was a disc that... Uh, fit a particular profile that no other discs that I owned have. And so I was like, well, I really want this kind of disc again. So I've got that one, but I'm not going to replace the others. Like, I'm not going to do it that way. But I don't know. I I feel like people who get into it, either they are, you know, again, most courses, you're not losing a lot of discs. If you're really afraid about losing a disc, you can just skip the holes where you think, or the courses that you think will make it likely to lose a disc. Like mm-hmm. if I, I, I'm pretty confident that if I went to back now, knowing where the locations are and knowing to be more careful in like, if I'm not a hundred percent sure I know where the basket is, there's nothing wrong with either asking someone around me who knows if there is someone around or just leaving my back at the tee pad and jogging up and finding where the basket is. You know, I can be more careful about it. But if I was worried, like, let's say there was some shot over water and I wasn't confident I'd be able to make it over the water, like, just because of the sheer distance of it, I'd be more than happy to just say, well, I'm just going to skip this hole (laughs) for now until I feel more confident in how far I can throw it. I think I'm just more stingy than you. (laughs) That's fair. We already knew that. I mean, frugal. I don't know. Like, this is a very particular course. I think there are other courses that I'll explore on the weekends to uh, see what they're all about. But this this was just a very particular kind of course. The ones that mm-hmm. I went to in Minnesota, it would be much harder to lose a disc in them. Mm-hmm. It didn't stop me from doing from nearly doing so on several occasions, but it's much harder. <laughs> <laughs> so... Ugh. How was your weekend, Grant? It's been pretty good. Uh, yeah. Been pretty darn good. Got some time to work on projects and hobbies and stuff, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. 
I had been voluntold to help on a project for making little table numbers for a family event where tables need to be numbered. And so I was making some nice little wooden stands for numbers, mm-hmm. which they are they are not done, but like without intervention from me in 24 hours, they will be done as they finish drying. So that's nice to be essentially finished with them. For sure. And yeah, and they turned out well, I think. So yeah. Awesome. Good productive weekend so far. Well, I guess good productive weekend almost period. period. <laughs> Not a lot of the weekend left, but Yeah. That's good. Yeah, my project this week is Ohack cuz we recorded today. <laughs> oh jeez. Why did we decide to double duty record? I always do that. Yeah, you're right, don't you? Yeah, you probably do. I mean, we only record OHAC once a month. Like, it's not a big deal. And we almost always do it in the morning now. Yeah, but don't you guys also almost always do it for, like, four hours? Oh, we do it for two. Oh, okay. There's plenty of time. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's that's the one big project. But I do have... I, I, I almost forgot until we got a reminder from the company that next Monday is Memorial Day. Oh, yeah. So, Thanks for the uh, reminder. <laughs> yeah, so I'm happy to have that day off. And then also on a whim, I uh, learned that there is a disc golf tournament, uh, like a high-level high, high level professional tour one, going on mm-hmm. in Santa Cruz, which is about an hour south of here, uh, all this upcoming weekend. And so I'm, I took Friday off and bought a ticket to go mm. see it, which I think will be a fun way to spend a day. Mm-hmm. So and then, and then I realized after the fact, oh, I also get that Monday off, so I get a four day weekend. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do it that yeah. way. <laughs> what do you prefer? So I was I was actually thinking about this for a four day weekend. Do you prefer to have a four day weekend that gives you a three day working week or two four day working weeks? Two four day. Okay, yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely two four day. I'm not gonna say that I'm like not a fan of the five day work week, but like i like to spread out my enjoyment i guess a little bit that's fair like if you said if you got to take two days off in a two-week period i definitely wouldn't put them friday monday of the weekend in the middle of those two work weeks because i would like to even more spread out the (laughs) breaks i'd like pop them on both wednesdays or something Mm. so then i got like four two-day weeks with a short week two short weekends in there oh weird okay so i see what you're saying so you're saying you wouldn't want to do like take the monday off and the following friday right because that'll give you the one three-day week yeah 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 yeah. and then maybe next up on the tier is what i'm doing which is you take a friday and the following monday off which does give you two four-day weeks but you're Mm -hmm. saying that you would like to give yourself several two-day weeks in a sense yes interesting huh that wouldn't have occurred to me i'm a big fan of the middle of the week day off and i I think everyone that i work with thinks that i'm a weirdo (laughs) because i do this because they all everyone else that i work with like they'll take like a thursday and a friday off or they'll take a whole week off so they get like two weekends bookending it or Stuff like that, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna take just like a random Wednesday or Thursday off. 
I, th- I think it just depends on the style of day off you like. There yeah. are definitely days where, yeah, that middle of the week day off is just amazing because you just feel like every other schmuck is working. In the, they're in the middle mm-hmm. of their week having not a great time, and I'm just out here doing whatever the heck I want. Yeah, freaking uh, suckers. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but if you actually want to, like, use it as a prop to prop up a, like, longer whole vacation type of thing, then obviously yeah. it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. Very nice. If you're going to, like, travel or something, it's not really as useful. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, yes. yeah, Aaron and I are... For the first time, really, in a, it seems like in a, quite a while, making, trying to make concrete plans for our uh, anniversary, which is in the middle of the summer. Cause oh, a yeah, lot do, of, you, do you guys have respirators for that, or are you, like, renting a mixer or something? I don't get your joke. <laughs> concrete? You're making concrete, right? Okay. Okay, Grant. <laughs> That one killed. I'm going to keep that one in the show. This is the kind of time where when you make a joke like that, I wish I could force us to move on to a comic when I just start reading a comic, but I can't because my comic is first. So consider this me requesting that we do that. I'm sorry. I was not thinking about the fact that your comic was first, and so I've been waiting for you to start reading my comic. hate when you do that to me. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So we got Overboard by Chip Dunham. We've got we've got a lady sitting at a desk uh, with a phone in her hand. It looks to be an old dial model style phone. Um, oh, that does make sense. This comic is from 1999. It is likely a like a rotary phone because it's from the freaking dark ages. And so she's holding it up to her face specifically not the side of her head she's holding it directly in front of her face almost as if she is yelling into the phone and saying so those are some of the changes you'd have to make in order to be the kind of person that can be in a mature relationship charlie and i hope you've been ready to hear them scene cuts quickly to another room rotary phone on the table man standing up from a desk in front of the phone very specifically, with his ear, her, his fingers deep in his ears, preventing him from hearing anything. End scene. Well done. I yeah, took me a hot sec to figure out why the lady had like put on a hat and stuck her fingers in her ears, <laughs> and then I was like, oh wait, that's not just a hat. That's like a that's a different person. Yeah, wearing a different shirt with the yep. different pants. That's what got it for me. It yeah. was the the triangle on the shirt. Glad you got there. <laughs> uh, what are you? Uh, are you about to break up with me? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, I see a talk about the changes you need to make for us to have a richer relationship. Um. Okay, that's a, actually this is a very valid conversation. Um, and there certainly are someone I I respect you for being wanting to talk about them. Now, I want to talk about dedicated tools slash devices. We've talked about in things our relationship. Ad- no, no, no. In general, we've talked about things adjacent to this. I think, but I'm thinking 
right now in terms of we have this old fashioned phone. Uh huh. Back in a in a bygone era when phones were phones, and they weren't a lot of other things. Uh huh. And and I'm curious what you think about that. Like, what do you think about tools that are meant for a very specific thing as opposed for to tools that are very general purpose? And or if you want to, just talk about how you use your phone because I have a I have a certain feeling that you don't use your phone for quite as the uh, multi tool that a lot of other people do. But I could be wrong. Okay, am I? Can I just ask some questions before I start answering this line of questioning? Of course. Um, and also, am I allowed to reserve my Fifth Amendment right to remain silent if I so choose? I, I'd prefer you don't, since this is a podcast. But <laughs> if you must, oh yeah, maybe, maybe this isn't the media. Or the medium for for Fifth Amendment, but um, yeah. So the original question is, how do I use my phone? What do, wait, what was the original question? So question one, or a line of questioning one, is the uh, your feelings on specific tools for a very specific purpose versus general purpose tools that can do many things. Hmm. As like a broad category. Mm-hmm. I see. I think there's certain situations where there's value in kind of both sides of the spectrum. Because mm-hmm. like it's nice to have tools that are very useful for multiple things. Kind of jack of all trades, master of none. But also a lot of the tools like that also just suck at all the things and aren't useful for any of them really because they just suck. And so I think I I bounce back and forth. I think in most situations, I like a tool that is very good at what it is designed to do. I would like a tool that is the best possible way to get done what it's designed to do in general, I think. There are a few instances where I'm okay with a tool that is useful for, I think, like knives are one of the things that. It's a place where I'm okay with a tool being slightly worse and just allow me to kind of use it for whatever the heck I want. I'll treat it badly so that it becomes a multi-tool. <laughs> that's, that's kind of changing the question a little bit, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> but, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I'm changing the question. But, like, I think in general, like, multi-purpose tools are kind of annoying because most of the time... They tend to do everything pretty crappy. Okay. Not to say that that is always the case. Like if there's a multi-tool that has multiple jobs that I need to do and it does them all really well, heck yeah, that's great. But I think that one of the things that really annoys me is when people are sold a a tool meant to do so many jobs, it's got so many functions and it's used as like this marketing gimmick where either... The other function it does, or the other functions it does, really suck. So you're never going to do them with this tool. Or the other functions are things that, like, you never do. So -hmm. why do you need this tool to do them? Why don't you just make it better and more simple at doing the thing that you actually are going to use it for rather than adding in all this unnecessary crap that it doesn't actually do well enough and you're not going to use just for whatever marketing. I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting the uh, 
I I guess I would I would attribute that particular thing as a company's desire for growth would be my mm-hmm. guess that that it's mm-hmm. hard to grow your market if you like either you have to well if you want to grow your market you have to either increase uh, more people the number of people who you who will buy your product because you convince them hey our product as is you need it mm-hmm. or you need to add something to your product so that it appeals to more people without needing to sort of convince them mm-hmm. with the existing product right and that's always very interesting to me this like desire for growth that is like such a prime thing for companies that like we you have this one trajectory and if you're not on it then you're failing or something uh, i always find that very interesting mm-hmm. but yeah that, that that is i think a, a pretty fair point that for the most part general purpose tools are, are less good at any individual thing than a specific tool mm-hmm. so i'm curious you don't have to follow me down this if you don't want to but i'm going to ask anyway where do you think smartphones land on that spectrum are smartphones legitimately good at anything in particular or are or are they actually bad versions of other products that you could see either got that either got amalgamated into them or could potentially be split out into different things mm-hmm. mm. or i suppose a third right. option is smartphones are just worse versions of computers which are also very general purpose tools smartphones are just computers but they're potentially just worse at certain things potentially mm-hmm. better at certain things i think I think smartphones certainly have their place. And I think they do a lot of jobs that people have come to want or have come to, I don't know. Yeah, I guess want is the best way I can say it. But I don't always know if like a lot of the jobs that smartphones are really good at doing, I don't know if like they're things that people need to want. Mm -hmm. Like I think in general, smartphones in many ways are great. But I do, I don't know, I feel like some like crotchety old person saying this, but like, I do feel like at times they are, they become counterproductive. And maybe that's just like my own biases or like my own experience of using a smartphone. Because I think that's one thing that I personally deal with a lot is like having and using a smartphone becoming counterproductive and so I have to make the conscious choice to not use it for things that it's capable of being used for because they're not things that I need in my life. And hmm. they're things that I think me having in my life is overall not beneficial. Like being able to be reached and obligated to reply at a moment's notice at any time, I think is something that I don't need in my life. And I think it's counterproductive most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I have to make the conscious choice not to do that. And I understand how that annoys some people immensely and their frustration with me is a hundred percent valid. And I try to do my best to own up to it every time it happens. Cause it happens a lot. <laughs> sure. But it's just like, it, I guess it's my own choice of how I want to use my phone 
and how I think it's most useful for me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So do you think of your phone as something that has these multiple purposes or do you just sort of collapse all of them into like, this is what phones do and I can just choose to not use this thing that is a phone thing in the similar way, like if I have this pocket knife, I could just choose to not use the nail file because I have no use for it. I know that was an or question, but my answer is yes. <laughs> um, yeah, like I th- I think of it more as a thing with multiple purposes and I can choose not to use it for a specific purpose if I want to. Or I don't know if I can. I I do choose to not use it for a certain purpose if I don't want to, regardless mm-hmm. of if other people think that that's something I'm technically allowed to do or not. I don't know if I even answered your question. <laughs> I'm not sure either. I don't think I did. I not got sure lost like halfway through your question, but. That's okay. It was a convoluted. And even though I said or, now I'm not convinced that I needed to say or. <laughs> okay. At least it wasn't an exclusive or. So your answer of yes is probably totally valid. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I don't know. Smartphones, like, can be very useful. It's just. I think with every useful thing, there's also a, like, nothing is perfectly useful and mm-hmm. nothing is perfectly useful without disadvantages. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to, for people to recognize that. And yeah, I don't know. Sure. I think my phone used to uh, annoy a lot of people, so. <laughs> Let me ask this then. Are you happy that you have a smartphone? Something I go back and forth on from time to time. I think I am. But there are certainly moments where I'm like, I just wish I didn't have this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's go and look up, see how much it would cost to get a flip phone. But I am I know I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep a smartphone because there are certainly ways that it is very useful. And there are things that I like about it. So I'm not going to give up those. Sure. Um, so I think I've just like reached a place of... Because, like, there's lots of things on smartphones that, like, I just don't choose to use because, and, like, they don't affect anyone else. It doesn't bother anyone else. Or Like, I choose not to have, like, an Instagram or something like that that lots of people have that I think without smartphones wouldn't really exist, mm-hmm. at least in the way it does now. But, like, no one, no one gets frustrated with me because of that. Sure. So, like, those types of choices do not use features or whatever are easy for me to make but there are certainly like things like the way that i utilize texting and stuff that i catch flack from others lots of the time mm-hmm. that it's just i kind of recognize that's a thing and i have accepted the implications of my choice and what it means yeah that, that is an interesting one though where texting specifically is much more of a not even a smartphone thing, but just a modern phone thing. Like, even if you had a flip mm-hmm. phone, you'd still be texting. Yeah, yeah. I guess, like, all the all the methods of communication and kind of their hierarchy or whatever is maybe a more general way to put it. Like, texting, FaceTime, Snapchats, any sort of direct message thing gets roped into there. Sure. Phone calls, like kind of the way that I choose to use all of those communication options. And I think like all of them together becomes a smartphone thing. And I guess when I was saying texting, I was more thinking of the totality of it all. Yeah, but you're 100% sense. right. The texting is not just a smartphone thing. 
And we should both know because we had availability to texting before smartphones existed. That's mm-hmm. going to be a weird thing when we're old people talking to all them young kiddos about the times before smartphones existed. That was going to be my final question is, uh, what's your bet on how long it takes for the term smartphone to just die? Well, I think it is dying. Well, I know it's dying, but it's not dead. I, I don't know if it'll ever be dead completely, but it'll it'll slowly become like, I don't know, probably in like, I say 20 to 30 years, the term smartphone will be like the word floppy disk or something. Hmm. Like... Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's interesting. Is is it will it die because smartphones as we know them today become so prevalent that we just call them phones universally? No one needs to clarify because people still clarify like, oh, take out your smartphone or a similar device, or take out your smart device, whatever. When they say like, oh, you need to like scan this QR code, you know, they typically still say smartphone. I think. Mm-hmm. And will that just become phone or will smartphone continue to live on in the same way that, let's say, landline lives on because something totally different will replace it and we still need to say this is what we mean by smartphone versus what the personal device that we now carry, which is totally different. That'll be interesting. Certainly will. Grant has brought Speed Bump by Dave Coverley and we have... A man crawling, uh, at least near a desert, looks like he's wearing an orange jail jumpsuit of sorts, so probably an escaped convict of sorts. Uh, it's it's approaching twilight. The, the sky is orange. The sun is approaching the horizon. And there are a couple of vultures approaching the escapee. And the vulture on the right says, Oh, good. Cage free. Mark, when's the last time you had cage-free human? <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not going to make you answer that. You're you're not obligated to answer that. You're allowed to assert your Fifth Amendment rights. No, what I was curious about is uh, free things. Like, when people give you free things and how you feel about it when people give you free things. Like, well, hmm. say, like, for example, like, if you have a friend who, like, has a book and they're done reading it, so, like, and they hear you like Dan Brown or something. They're like, oh, here, here's the lost symbol for you. Like, keep my book. Or at, like, the next level, it's like, oh, I have this, like, cabinet that I don't use anymore. Here, take this cabinet because it sounds like you would love to have it and I don't want it anymore. And no, I'm not going to accept any, like, payment for it or favors in in uh in exchange for this. Like, how do you feel when you're in one of those situations where you're, try- I guess, trying to return a favor or offer payment for something that you're getting for free, but you're told not to? Unless I feel it is so imbalanced that I need to, I will typically let it go. I I don't, if, if someone is very adamant, as you know, typically if someone's giving me something for free in that situation, it sounds like it's probably a friend. I can gauge whether they're being sincere or not in, in that sense. Uh, I, as someone who has wanted to get rid of things, I totally understand that, like, getting rid of the thing, just the unleashing that burden, letting me unleash that burden on you is the greatest gift you could give me back. <laughs> uh, it's like, well, that's a good point. So uh, having experienced that moving up here, 
I have no qualms if someone wanted to give me something for free because I, I imagine that the reason they want to unload it is just because they just really don't want it anymore. doesn't mean it's a mm-hmm. bad object. It just means that it's serving them no good. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's, it's, it's a detriment, and so they don't feel obligated to, to get anything in return. Uh, mm-hmm. There are other times where someone is just trying to be incredibly polite for various reasons, but you know that the situation is such that you really, really should slash need to do something in return and there's nothing that they can do about it because you're just both gonna you both need to win this battle of politeness Mm -hmm. Uh, the main thing that comes to mind is when aaron and i talked to uh, um, the guy who agreed to officiate our wedding as a former boss of ours at the bible camp we worked at just Mm -hmm. the one of the nicest guys in the world very very typical minnesotan kind of guy uh and uh, he told us, you know, yes, I'll do this. No, you're not allowed to pay me for anything. We, I will like cover hotel. Like, don't give me any money. Don't don't pay for anything for me. And we're like, Travis, we're definitely going to pay for some stuff for you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you can't you can't stop us. And he's like, I'll stop you. It's like, no, you can't, Travis. Like, <laughs> and it's just one of those things. And that's more good natured. Uh, yeah. Or it's like, no, you're doing something that's really important, and we need to. Uh, show you in whatever way we can and that you'll allow us to how important that is. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's very much on one, one end of the spectrum, but I mean, free stuff is free stuff. If someone wants to give me something for free, uh, I like, I'm not so proud as to like not accept a gift or whatever. No, no, no. So yeah. it's, it's more just gauging the situation, but I would say more times than not, if they say, give me anything in return, I don't want anything, just take this thing, cool, sure. I've done that to people, so I have no reason believing that people can't do that to me. Mm-hmm. Why, are you going to give me something? Oh, no. I, I oh, was man. given something, or like, and given assistance on things, and the person was like, oh, no, no, no problem, don't don't worry about it. I'm like, well, can I, like, do something? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now I just feel like... Here's guilty. $5 no. to Starbucks? like, <laughs> Or like, yeah, or... Let me like help you do something or I don't know, something like yeah. that. But now your wedding, your wedding situation is one that that's something I'd never thought about. But I feel like that's one of the situations where you say, okay, name a reasonable, reasonable price or, or we're putting an we're envelope force in your it car. Upon you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or we're going to force it upon you and it'll probably be more than you would have said your reasonable prices. Or your reasonable stipulations or whatever. Also, I feel like maybe there's there's probably several different kinds of people on this front. But for me, <laughs> I take no joy in collecting favors for people, right? Like, I don't want or need... Like, owing them? Being owed. Or having them owe... Oh. Oh, you don't get any joy in that? Uh, as in, like, you know, I'm sure there are people who want to be real savvy dealers of their stuff. And if you offer... <laughs> You know, they'll, they'll kind of drive a hard bargain in reverse, let's say. Like, oh, no, no, you don't need to give anything or whatever. And you offer something. And they say, well, actually, in that case, you know, and they come up with some relatively reasonable thing that they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe not so reasonable. Uh, <laughs> but for me, like, I don't know. I, I, unless it's a very immediate thing that I can think of. I don't want like open favors. It just kind of feels yucky. In, in the same way that, okay. like, I think all, like our entire friend group, we were never super into like super keeping track of who's paying for what or whatever. 
Oh, oh, okay. Like, th- like that sort of stuff. You just kind of let it be a bit more free and easy if everyone's okay with that. And if someone's not, if someone really needs to keep track of their budget or their time or whatever, we can all respect that and, and deal with that. But it's like, no, if, if everyone's pretty it is similar situations, you can let things just be a bit more like, hey, we're just like friends. We don't need to do this whole song and dance about who needs to do what for whom because of this whole situation. Yeah. So. so so when you say you're you don't like being owed favors, it's more of like the rigidity of like I did this one thing for you, and now you and now, owe now me I need a comparable favor to come up with in return that I need to cash in on and be like, hey, you remember how I gave you that thing? Well, now you know, time the time has come. You yeah. would rue that day. Yeah. You know, and, and here you go. Like okay. I, I don't that like playing sense. that game. So you're not like totally. St- avoiding the thing of like oh yeah it's just like we do nice things for each other exactly yeah like i want to establish friendships where yeah cool you're my friend and and i thought of you that you know i need to get rid of this thing i thought you might uh, make use of it so hey do you want it and if you say yes cool and similarly i would expect that if you had something that you wanted Mm -hmm. to give me or if i had something that i needed from you like oh or, or i could use your help in this thing like then if you're available i would have a reasonable expectation of that you would do it without a whole lot of commotion because we're cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now it makes more sense. I thought at first that you were saying like, oh no, I like totally avoid all exchange of favors <laughs> of no, all sorts. I just, I just like to cultivate healthy friendships with, yes. with reasonable expectations yes. of what Hel- that means. <laughs> How dare you want to have healthy relationships, Mark? How <laughs> dare you? In this economy? No, thank you. You, <laughs> you son of a bitch. 